With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code believe to get that bonus and get into the action. So that's promo code BLEAV for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you to break down everything around the wild world of Auburn athletics. Hope all of our listeners have had a great couple of weeks, but so happy to be back with my co-host Jay Cam. With that, we welcome you into today's episode. We've got plenty to talk about as this week has been talking week, as we affectionately call it in media SEC Media Days happening in Atlanta, actually, for the first time. It's typically held in Birmingham, but this year it was at the College Football Hall of Fame, which does seem appropriate, even though the SEC conference offices are in Birmingham. Atlanta has kind of become the hub for college football. So that is where those were held Monday through Thursday this week with Coach Harson and a few of your Tigers taking the podium today, which is Thursday. So Jay and I, Jay and I are going to recap all of that, but Let's go ahead and bring him in because I pretty much bury the lead as always. But uh, Jay, I was actually thinking when I was watching SEC Media Days, I don't know the history of how long we've been doing that because the SEC Network launched in 2014, but I know we were still doing it for other media entities before that. But was was Media Days a thing when you were playing? You better believe it. Better believe it. And did yes. you attend? Yes, I did. Of I course. attended and went to media day and uh, it was a great, it was a great experience. Uh, of course, all the media is there and everyone's kind of getting geared up for, for fall practice. Yeah. And, you know, once you hit media days, you know, it's two to three weeks and you're putting the helmets on. So, you know, the weight game is over. The, all the mm-hmm. summer workouts, all the, you know, talking about who you can't wait to play and, 
it's here. And that's the thing. And now it's time to to get your mind prepared and get grinding. And the best thing I heard today was Coach Harson said that pretty much most of, if not all, our football team will be ready to start practice on August the fifth. And there mm-hmm. should be there may be a few restrictions, but everybody should be a full participation, which is big news because this past spring we had so many guys out. So oh, yeah. it feels good to know that a lot of our guys will be available starting August the fifth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a night and day difference from what we were dealing with in spring. Coach Harson even acknowledged Zach Calzada when asked about the quarterback indirectly a little bit today. Um, he was specifically asked about Calzada. I kind of wanted them to open it up a little bit more and talk about the quarterback battle. Unfortunately, that was not really discussed during his time on the podium, but someone did specifically ask about Calzada and coach said, the only downside is that he wasn't available during spring. That that really was unfortunate. And ironically, Jay, something I didn't realize, he said that uh, he was unavailable during spring because of a shoulder injury that he sustained in the game against Auburn. I didn't realize that. That's when he got that injury and obviously had to play through it and deal with it. But ultimately, where he is now, those are the guys that gave him that injury. So everything kind of comes full circle. But that's awesome. When you attended media day were you nervous I'm always so intrigued I've covered it a few times I'm always so intrigued by the guys that definitely seem like they are a little out of their element but they're you know representatives of of the team for good reason but you know speaking to that many people at once isn't necessarily their forte and then some people that get up there and it's like okay if if football doesn't work out for you you could clearly get into broadcasting like what what was your experience at that point yeah, I tell you, I love this experience. I love the opportunity to get to talk to the media. You know, yeah, like you know, one thing about media, everyone always say, "Well, media, what likes to be controversial?" Well, you know, that's part of the thing. You know, to make things interesting, make you want to read, read, read things, and draw your attention to the to the screen. So, but not always. You know, sometimes, like you say, like after being in this business, you get a chance to learn a lot of a lot of different things, a lot of different people, and you make connections and. I made a lot of connections when I was playing ball and a, a lot of the reason why I was able to trans transfer over mm-hmm. uh, to doing some media was because of the connections that I made. And I've turned down mm-hmm. some opportunities uh, just because I value a lot of my time with family because I missed out on a lot of that when I was playing ball. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's given me some opportunities to open a lot of doors, but when you're in a media perspective, I tell you what, I have so much more respect for the game now. Uh, just yeah. because when I played it, I had a lot of respect. But now being like, dang, like watching somebody play on that field and 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 realize how, how much talent you have to have to be able to compete at the highest level and play with these type of guys each and every week and to, to be able to play in the National Football League. Now I have a lot more respect what I was able to accomplish and I thank God for that every day because now you look at it and you definitely don't take it for granted so I'm always telling these younger guys like man look don't take this for granted like you don't know when it's going to be over right you have no idea how long this is going to last for you so enjoy the moment enjoy the grind I missed the grind so Hmm. enjoy it and uh and don't look back and say dang I wish I'd have done this I wish I'd have done that that's the only thing I can say I regret is I didn't take the most the time to really enjoy it. I was always mm-hmm. about work, 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 work. Cause I always felt like I had to prove myself, prove myself, prove myself. And I should have took the time to say, Hey, you know what? This is an opportunity that many don't get. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy this moment and, uh, and enjoy victories instead of just enjoying it for the locker room. But then as soon as the game over, you go home, you're already thinking about the next game. You're already watching film. 
you need to savor some of those moments and give your mind time to to just experience different mm-hmm. emotions. And uh, and I can say the same in life. It's the same way. Right. I, I think that's a very relevant perspective. And I do wonder, you know, you make a good point about constantly being fixated on what's ahead and what goal you're chasing. And I think we all can do that in life, like you said, but certainly in sport for a lot of these guys that you know, get so consumed with making it to the next level. And what do I need to be doing right now to attain that? And I do kind of wonder if NIL might help in that in a way. I, you know, I certainly have my issues with NIL in in the current structure or lack thereof uh, that we're dealing with right now. But I do wonder if a lot of the, you know, push for the next level is, you know, unfortunately on, you know, the, the desire to, whether it's give your family a better life or give yourself a better life, or just, you know, to have that comfortability of financial security that comes with the next level. And if that's being given to you in college and you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief that your family is being taken care of and that you are establishing something for yourself that will last maybe it will afford them the luxury of, of just being present and being where they are right now. Because I think if, if you're so consumed with what's ahead, you are missing the current moment, which when you were in high school, that was your dream. And and you're not allowing yourself to enjoy reaching that milestone. So I, that's an interesting point. I haven't thought of maybe NIL, if they don't let it get too far gone. And, and if we put some proper parameters on this thing and maybe it will help them kind of be where their feet are a little bit more yeah the thing about it is everyone has to get out of the aspect of thinking that finances fits everything totally and that's the thing that you run into when you're talking about anytime that money is involved in a lot of things it's all about oh what that person got oh who that person got why i'm not getting this why i don't have that like instead of just focusing on yourself and focusing on what can i do to position myself to be better and the finances is going to take care of itself it's going to come it's like i always say you know ronnie always say this to me sometimes y'all like guys always trying to rush through the process just to be at home he said, and the reason they say that is because if you rush to jump to the NFL or you rush to just jump at some money and you go to a school that doesn't fit you because you want to go because you feel like you can make money there. And then all of a sudden you miss the, the opportunity to keep growing because now once you get in the NFL, the time clock starts ticking mm-hmm. and it's ticking to get you out of the game. And because the, the older you get in the NFL, they're always looking for the next new person. Or if you don't make the roster in the NFL, what are you going to do now? Because your whole mindset was fixed on, I'm going to the league. I'm going to the league. And why? Because, yes, financial finance, finance, it, it is a great part of life. It's something to have. It's a good cushion to have. But mm-hmm. it's not everything. And if you don't have good character, if you don't have good moral values, if you don't have, you know, good standards of and good work ethics i don't care how much money you got you won't know how to keep it because if you don't learn the different ropes of what it means to earn it Mm -hmm. and that's the thing we have to be careful that we're not teaching kids to just you know oh you gotta have this you gotta have that money fixes everything money fits it no you still need to know how to talk to people you still need to know how to conversate you still need to know how to be a good teammate Mm -hmm. like those are things that's going to help win championships 
and everything. And like I said, I'm all about kids, you know, making their money and different things like that. But how do you control the locker room with it? These are things that we right. didn't have to worry about until we got to the NFL. Mm -hmm. And when you were in the NFL, everybody on the roster is making money. When you're on a college football team, the NIL doesn't mean everybody on the team is getting an NIL deal. Nope. So you have some kids that will be making some, some NIL money. Then you have other kids that's not making NIL money. So how do you control your locker room with all those parameters going on, the kid being like, man, I work out just like you. I get up and work out at 6 a.m. I put my clothes on. We, I play in the same college stadium. Mm -hmm. How is it that I'm not getting anything? So, right. you know, so you have these kids out there now, Taylor, they're pursuing social media so hard. Why? They're trying to build their platform to make their name, image, and likeness bigger. Right. And, you know, are these kids going to pay too much attention to social media? Or are they going to pay too much attention to, you know, trying to get what they can get out of NIL and they forget the main focus and how they got to college in the first place. And like some guys are going to make some good money in college, but then you won't see them play on Sunday. Why? Right. Because they're going to already feel like they made it and, and, and uh, they're going to get comfortable. They're going to stop having that edge to them. And you're going to have some guys that make a little bit in college, but still have that edge and that desire to get to that next level. So you're going to get their constant hundred percent effort every time because they're they're still going after their dream of playing on Sundays in National Football League, being able to have that jersey. And you have some guys saying, hey, I'm going to get what I can while I can in college. So mm -hmm. when I leave college, I don't have any student loans. But on top of that, I'm going to have some cushion with some money in the bank. So if I want to put a down payment or a townhome or a house or on a car or whatever or in investments, I can do that now because I now have some cushion. So right. there's different parameters for everybody. But it has to be a mindset of how we're going to deal with this as a whole when it comes to college football, because I don't want to see college football change to the point that we don't enjoy it too much because it comes a lot like the NFL. I mean, obviously this has been a point of conversation for pretty much every media outlet. You and I have had, you know, extensive conversations about it. I feel like any work event or sports function I've been at conversation comes back to NIL and it was no different at media days this week. I mean, I think every coach was asked about it while they were up on the podium. I mean, drink every time that they got asked about it and you'd be on the floor. It, it got kind of repetitive, but it is such a powerful tool right now in terms of changing the culture around college football. There's really no way to, you know, sugarcoat that. And it's, it, imperative to kind of know how each coach and respective university is approaching and handling it. And you could tell this week, most of the coaches have a bit of disdain for it. And I have said to you that I believe right now is the toughest time to be a coach. I, I believe that. I think that they are up against more changes and developments without the necessary guidance and assistance and rollout plans and parameters, like we said, um, that, that coaching is, is a very challenging task right now. And it is 24, seven, 24, seven doesn't even feel like it covers it because you have to be in so many places at once, whether it's the recruiting, whether it's keeping your current players around and now NIL. And I think that the kind of common denominator that the coaches that did voice frustration with NIL kind of came back to is the discrepancy amongst, amongst schools, because it's basically, I think it was Mike Leach who 
and it might have been on Feinbaum. He went on quite a spiel, as he typically does. But this one was a bit more long winded on Feinbaum because he had the time to do so um, about his perspective on it and also his solutions. And look, I appreciate that because I get so frustrated fans, players, whoever it is that constantly go to these platforms, not something as public as media day, but you know, nowadays our social media with all these complaints and very few have a solution for us. It's just a free for all for everyone to complain about things that they're unhappy with and grapple with uh, those alike them. But what about solutions? What do you have to counter the way that things are happening right now? Well, Mike, Mike Leach took the opportunity to do just that. And I actually have a lot of respect, whether you agree with his perspective or not. My man's actually sat down and come up with a plan. And he said he has brought it forward to committees and NCAA. And my hat's off to somebody taking initiative like that. If you don't like something, have an alternative for how to get something else done. But his whole thing and, and what was mentioned by Lane Kiffin and other coaches as well is that this is like the NFL in terms of the players are now getting paid for what they do. Like you said, not all of the roster is getting paid. That's certainly an issue, but their gripe is that there is no salary cap. That is like telling the NFL, your players can get paid, but there is no salary cap. And if one team is able to garner more money than the other, so be it. Well, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have a complete lopsided scale. All the talent is going to generate toward one side of it because that's where the money exists. And that's what's happening right now. It's also a free for all in terms of free agency. It's free agency 365 days a year. There is no limitation on this, but we've opened it up to the magnitude that the NFL deals with without defining the difference between a professional and an amateur. Those lines are getting blurred right now, and we're not helping the coaches and the universities by putting restrictions on the salary and the allotted time for the transfer portal. I think if you add those things, this becomes a lot easier for them to manage. Right. Well, you're thinking about, you know, college football as it is today. The, the most problem is every state has a different law yep. uh, for NIL. So everyone is not under the same under the same rules. And that's the problem. Like, if you know, you're in Texas or Texas a and Yes, they have a lot of big money or money. So like you say, yes, a lot of kids know, oh, I can probably go to those two schools and I'm probably going to get a big, huge NIL deal mm-hmm. because who's backing it? All companies. And and that's the thing. Like when you talk about an unfair advantage and it really takes recruiting away from recruiting because yep. recruiting is not the same. A coach can coach a kid and recruit a kid all he wants. But then at the end of the day, they want to know what type of NIL platform do you right. have? What can, you know, because technically you can't offer a kid money in high school uh, but you can educate them about the NIL and what your NIL consists of and, and right. different things like that and how you can go out and, you know, and you have a great opportunity if you come to Auburn and, you know, we can help you with NIL and different things like that, but you can't give them a number. So what they do is, you know, it's just, it's all over the place right now. You think about from a country wide standpoint when it comes to NIL, because if one state can do this, then another state can't, then that helps the other state in recruiting. So let's take and say, oh, what's y'all parameters on NIL? If they say something they don't want to hear in that NIL standpoint as far as their parameters once they get on campus, then that kid may say, hey, mom, we're going to go to somewhere else. And that and the fit may not even fit the kid somewhere else. The fit may be at your school. 
Mm-hmm. But because of the rules and the parameters, everyone's not under the same guidelines. It's just like when you play in the NFL, everyone's under the same rules and guidelines. Yeah. So when you play in a certain conference, everybody's under the same rules and guidelines. So I don't understand when it comes to this process, why everyone is not under the same rules and guidelines. Right. I'm just like, that's, you know, we're just at a point right now where no one wants to have rules or regulations on anything, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just like, you can't go that way. You can't do things that way. There has to be rules and regulations. They're there for a reason. You know, the same right. reason there are commandments in the Bible. You know, right. They're there for a reason. So, you know, it's just things that, you know, you have to be able and be careful with this because it can spiral quickly out of control to the point where kids have totally forgotten about the education standpoint. No one even talks about that anymore. <laughs> so true. And that's just going like to the side door. And I'm just like, okay, let's be honest here. 95% to 97% of the kids that walk, that come and sign at your school would not make it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. So out of every 80 some players on your roster, you may be lucky if four plays on Sundays. So you're talking about a huge number of kids not making it to the NFL. They need to understand the importance of education as well because they're going to get out into the workforce. And what's going to happen, Taylor, is some of these kids, once they enter the workforce, they're going to be taking a pay cut from what they was making in NIL probably. Mm -hmm. And once they make that pay cut, are they going to be willing to adapt mentally and be like, dang, like I was getting more than this when I was playing in college. Right. you know, they laying at this job, like, like it's beneath them. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Instead of looking at it, it's like, no, this is the real world. But if you got that education, that degree, it can help you climb the ladder a lot faster because I know many guys, including my brother, guys that didn't play in the NFL and doing really well for themselves because of the degree that they got and everything. Mm-hmm. So they're able to take that and they're doing really well and they didn't have NIL at the time. So imagine now having NIL and you get your degree, right. now you got a head start and your degree. So that's what I'm trying to get kids to look at is look at this thing as a two way street. Like you get your education and you get some finances with it, but don't be alert alarm when you reach the real world and the job that you get, if you don't make it to the NFL, it's a lot less than what you was making in NIL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, Especially so with this free for all right now, I feel like the, the schools with, that do have the money, the boosters that do have the freedom right now, they're going to be going for it right now with the expectation that eventually they are going to put, you know, some stops to this. They're, they're going to have to, but anyway, that was obviously a, a major point of conversation. Um, conference realignment schedule as expected um transfer portal wasn't really talked about very much i feel like that one is kind of old news considering nil and conference has burst onto the scene so no one really talked about that but as expected coach harson uh was probably going to be asked about this off season but he kind of chose to jump in front of it and in his opening statement he said that he was going to quote address the gorilla in the room which i always thought it was elephant not gorilla but maybe it's both yeah, i'm not I thought, was, yeah, I thought it was the elephant too you know but uh you know hey 
to, to each their own gorilla, <laughs> right. basically address what everyone is thinking and likely going to ask me about, I'm going to face it head on, which I think was a smart move because then he could kind of control what was said and what, because look, these things are televised. These things are live tweeted. Every article comes out with the question and the answer. So without the questions being asked, it allowed him to kind of control what was put out there. And I guess what people were reminded of, you know? Um, so anyway, he addressed it head on and said that there was an inquiry and it was um, led to a university investigation that was, quote, uncomfortable and unfounded, and it resulted in nothing. And he also quipped a little bit with the media saying, I'm sure there are a lot of you here who didn't expect me to be here this year. And he really just kind of faced it all head on, said his piece, said that uh, basically they you know, underwent the investigation, nothing came of it, there was nothing to be found, and onward and upward. And his challenge to his team is just that if we look back, there's no chance of moving forward. So I think that he wants to be done with it. I, I'm sure he would love to be done with it. Unfortunately, that's not how things work. And I'm sure even uh, into the beginning of the season, it will be something that is discussed a little bit. And hopefully his goal, and I'm sure the player's goal, is that what's put on the field it makes any off the field stuff irrelevant. It, it gets to the point where it, talking about that stuff feels like it's, it's pointless and it, it really is, you know, kind of done with because what they're putting on the field is a much improved product. And that's what he is looking for and hoping for. But in terms of that opening statement, Jason and, and him, you know, kind of really grabbing the bull by the horns and, and taking care of it while also trying to move past it. What, mm -hmm. what stood out to you about the way he kind of handled that? Well, you know, like most coaches are trying to do this, try to, they want to jump in front of it before, yeah. you know, the questions start coming at them left and right. And, and, you know, knowing coach Harson, you knew he was going to do that. And, you know, like I said, he wanted to address it. He wanted to get it out the way. And then he wanted to kind of get onto football. Uh, he wanted to try to keep all the personal things that people were saying, you know, he wanted to keep it at bay and, you know, and make it about the team and about the players. And that's what you really, it should be about right now going into football season. It should be about the football team and the players and the aspect that he talked about how the team kind of rallied around this, um, you know, in the spring, uh, they all addressed it. They all got in the room together and team meeting room and, and they all had conversations about it. And, and like I told you before, Ty, like sometimes things happen and that, you know, kind of opens up the door for the team to all have a conversation. And that way you don't have to worry about how someone feels about you or now you get a chance to know how someone feels. And I think they had an opportunity to hash it all out and let it all out. And uh, anytime you finish the season on a five game slid, it's not going to be a, a present off season. And mm -hmm. if I'm the players and like he was saying, you know, guys are itching to get back on the field, itching to get back to work and, you know, itching to get to that first game because, you know, you want to smell victory again. It's been a long time since Auburn smelled victory in yeah. football. And you need to get that first win. You need to get that second win and, and get going into that big game in Penn State uh, when they come to town. So you got to, to put that behind you and you got to move forward. But yeah. I think the right thing is – that they did address it and he Same. knew it was coming. And like I said, I think he did the right thing and jumping in front of it and then just making it about the team. 
Me too. Uh, I think that that's what the narrative should be. And the players probably were echoing the same sentiment as they broke off and were speaking to other media entities. Obviously, Auburn brought Tank Bigsby, John Samuel Schenker, and Derek Hall as the representatives this year. A few quotes coming out from each of them. But you did mention it earlier, and I just want to echo that Coach Harson did say that the team is set to report um, for fall camp August 4th, with it officially beginning on August 5th. And he said that the trainers have given him confirmation that everyone will be good to go. Like you said, uh, maybe a couple contact restrictions once they get in pads, but otherwise good to go. And that also goes for Zach Calzada. So it feels like that quarterback race if it's not already, we'll be full steam ahead come August 5th. But, you know, I think that something that everyone is, is, you know, wanting to know is, will we be notified? Will they announce who the starting quarterback is before game one? And Harson was asked about that. And he said that he doesn't really have a, a set date of when he wants to have it, but he did say as expected, the team's going to know before it's public knowledge because they want some time operating as a team that has a starting quarterback. And I think that that's a smart play. I don't, he knows, and he acknowledged this, whoever is announced as the starting quarterback, there's going to come with it publicity, press, expectation, criticism, even before they take a snap. There are going to be people who disagree with the choice. There are going to be people who are way too high on the choice. And so that person has to be ready to accept all of that and take on all of that. And before they can do that, before they're equipped to do that, they have to have had a little time operating as that guy amongst their teammates so that they have that backing and that mentality to handle the outside noise that is inevitable when you're announced a starting quarterback at an SEC school. So I think that they're probably going to know by mid to late August, but we will likely not be told until week of the first game. Uh, that's my expectation. He said in the past, it's usually been or by the time they begin game one prep, which is about 10 days before. So I think in that last week of August, realm august 23rd 24th something around there they may know whether they roll it out to the public or not you know i do think there's benefit in rolling it out before game week so that by game week it's not just about this quarterback it's more about matchup um but they may not tell us until the friday before i've seen it all in this role um so i'm going to get your perspective on how you think it's best that they roll it out and pitch it to the public as someone who has been in a situation like that of course coaches always have an idea who they who they think is going to be the starter mm -hmm. but as as you know as all teams do once you get to camp um, even though the guy that you have in mind you think may be the starter you never know that guy that's number two or number three may all of a sudden just the light bulb comes on mm -hmm. you know where he gets the offense and all of a sudden he hits the ground running you're like whoa it's not the same kid we saw in the spring and uh and everything but of course, you always want the quarterback announced at least a week before the first game, uh, only because players need to know who their leader is going to be. Also, the receivers and the running backs and offensive line have to have chemistry with the quarterback's voice. And and people are like, huh? I'm like, yes, the voice. I'm like, because every quarterback echoes the snap count differently. So if you're going to have the advantage of getting off the ball on time and getting off the ball with quickness, then you need to have chemistry with the guy that's your main signal caller. Uh, the other aspect of it is, like you say, timing with the receivers. 
uh, and everything. Those things you can't take for granted. The good thing for Auburn is their first two games, they're not cupcake games, but they're games that can help them get into a rhythm. And for me, I just feel like I don't think the true quarterback position is really solved mm-hmm. until at the Missouri game because mm-hmm. I really think you're not going to see much in the first two games. I think, like, you'll see probably two or three quarterbacks play in those first two games, probably two. And then I think once you get to the Penn State game, now the real game starts. The right. lights come on. Now we'll see, like, okay, who's the who's going to be the starter for real? Because now you're playing in a hostile environment. You're playing in – you're playing a very big opponent, and this is a pivotal game. It's going to be televised nationally. Can you deal with the pressure? The quarterbacking at that level is all about dealing with all those things. Mm-hmm. And like I said, and then you play a Missouri team who came off a pretty good year last year mm-hmm. and a team that's looking upward. And I just feel like whichever, if the quarterback that they named the starter for the Mercer game, if he plays good throughout that first four games, then he'll probably be the starter for the rest of the year. Right. But if he butters in that Penn State game or a little bit in that early Missouri game. And then I think it opens up for competition again where you may see another two, three-game slid where guys are vying for the job again. So I don't think it's an ever-ending thing until one guy has proven himself. Yes, Calzada has played at Texas A&M, but he has not proven himself at Auburn. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he still would have been at Texas A&M. You know, he still would have been their guy as well. True. Uh, so, you know, so the story is still out on him. Now you look at a Robbie Ashford, kid that came from Hoover, you know, came out as a baseball and a football star and, you know, went to Oregon and, you know, he's fast. He's very athletic. You know, he's a freak of an athlete from what I'm hearing, but he's yet to play really in college. So he has to gain experience. And so you don't really know, you know, his standard just yet because it's so much you got to wait and see. And then you see a guy like TJ, okay? TJ has an advantage from a standpoint of knowing the offense because he's been there a year before those other two guys. But TJ had his opportunities last year, and, you know, the season didn't end well. So, you know, and people are wondering, okay, has he grown from that? Has he gotten better? So there's three things that's going on here that come into camp, and one is who can get in and out of the huddle the fastest, who can say those plays, to make sure that everyone is lining up where they're supposed to line up at. That's the other aspects of playing quarterback is making sure everyone is, is where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. That's a huge aspect of it. So it's not just about throwing or running. You also have to hone in on make sure guys are lined up because you don't need those penalties that set you back five yards because you have false stars or you have illegal formations and all those things. You got to be able to rally all the guys together as a group and the team has to believe in you as their leader. That's the other aspect. It can't be, it's all about me. It's all about me. No, you're playing the wrong position. A lot of guys that make it about themselves. Yes. They may have a little bit of success, but they don't ever win their teammates over. Mm -hmm. If you want to make it about your teammates, then let it be about your teammates and your teammates will decide and help you who, who, who would be the quarterback. And you would know it. Guys know teammates know they see it. They feel it. And you go, if you ask five Auburn guys right now, you'll probably have an idea who they got to be. I think so. Uh, And I think that what you said about the potential that we'll see more than one, I think that's actually pretty likely. Coach Harson actually said the thing about the quarterback quarterback position too is you may have other guys in there that contribute it's not like I haven't done that in the past where you've got another guy that also comes in and plays and is a part of it maybe in a package and some other things we haven't determined that yet but when we do 
we'll roll it out and we'll make it really good for whoever that starter is. And obviously we want to be respectful to the backups because they're one play away. So I think you're dead on. I think those first couple of games we may see too. We, I mean, we may see guys with packages and, and that starter will have the, now look there, a lot of people are talking about the San Jose state game, certainly not one that you breeze past, but in terms of the gauntlet of our schedule, which is the toughest schedule in FBS, that seems like a benefit to have those two at the beginning to kind of get your legs under you and kind of see identity in gameplay. It was a similar setup to what we had last year and we were putting up 50 plus, which is positive, but you have to maintain that throughout as it gets tougher. Now, Penn State coming to Jordan Hare followed by Missouri and LSU. It's crazy that we're starting the season with five consecutive home games. That is just wild, but it does afford you the comfortability of playing at home in front of your rowdy fan base. That was another theme at SEC Media Days this week. I pretty much watched every day. When coaches, players, people were asked about, you know, specifics of the SEC, a lot of times it was when they were discussing Texas and Oklahoma joining and and kind of the learning curve that will come with it. It almost it feels like everyone (laughs) uses Auburn as an example in terms of a tough place to play. And I take a lot of pride in that. Jay, I'm sure you did as a player, especially even guys on the desk. Greg McElroy said, bar none, Auburn is the toughest place to play in the country. Now, obviously, he played for Alabama, so that makes sense. But uh, Georgia discussed it. I think some of the coaches discussed it. Brian Kelly actually said he's excited to play at Auburn because He's new to these SEC places. So from an atmosphere perspective, we are expected to be that. And so to start out five at-home games, that's an added benefit that is known. Everyone in the country knows it. And so if we uphold that and these players have found their groove in a way that really no one's expecting, this team could start out 5-0. and Yeah, I used to tell people all the time, like, you know, well, I played at Auburn, so I used to say I do not want to be the opponent that comes in here and plays at nighttime. Yeah, you know, like it is a real jungle at nighttime, and you know our student fan base is really what makes it rocks. And those kids, they they get into it. They're they have, you know, all kind of different dances that they do, and they keep it entertaining. And and that's what you need. You need that energy from your campus students and like I said you you have your fans that come the the parents and the the older alumni and you know they make noise but that student session is what makes it rocks and right we have a huge student session we have a bigger student session than most most schools do and mm-hmm. uh and I think that's the difference and especially when you're on defense for Auburn like hearing that cheer that crowd loud behind you it makes it harder on the offense for the other team to communicate and get off the snap and especially if you're a defensive end you get off the ball a lot quicker because the 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 tackles are still in their stance a little bit because they didn't hear the snap count so it's definitely a tough tough place to play like i say lsu is super tough at nighttime and everything and i played in there at nighttime and it's crazy but i tell you playing at auburn it's a different animal now i'm telling yeah. you And I love respect being put on our name in that way, because when I was a student and I was in that student section, it was my mission to make that place tough for opponents to play. And if everyone has that mentality, then you get Jordan Hare. So uh, love to hear that from even some of our biggest rivals. A couple other notable quotes that came out of media day today. 
Tank Bigsby was asked about his decision to return, and he said that, um, you know, he doesn't deny that he was very close to transferring. He He's very upfront and honest about it, that he was very much considering it and at times even leaning toward it. And he said that he ultimately thought, you know, if I'm running away from my problems, like I can't run forever. Like at some point you have to face problems. And so he said, after a lot of discussions with, you know, staff and people important to him and whatever, he decided not to run, which is ironic running back, but a lot of puns in this one, but to kind of dig his feet in and, and face what was going on and improve right where he was. And coach Harson actually said in terms of preparation, leadership, fundament everything that he would say tank is most improved which is interesting considering where this kid started fresh out of high school when you hear that he's most improved how does that even add up but he's talking from a more broad landscape right in terms of of tanks development as as a person a player a leader for this team and i think that that's incredibly necessary because players like tank i didn't say people like tank let's not get it twisted players like tank with raw natural ability that translates to a high level very seamlessly and very early without a lot of the i'm not saying he doesn't work hard i know he does he's actually been working with former auburn running back brad lester this summer and you can see a lot of videos him putting him work but a lot of these guys come in, they get redshirted. They don't see the field for two years. They're grinding. They're putting in after hours just to get a shot. That's not Tank's story. You know what I mean? He's got that natural talent and he got his shot immediately. And so players like him have a, there's almost a likelihood that they could be their own worst enemy because of that drive for perfection and sometimes the expectation that it's going to be easier than it is. I think if you look at even Cam Newton at times, especially in his professional career, talent is not Cam's problem. Cam is sometimes Cam's problem. And so I think when it comes to tank, just like he said, problems arose and I considered running away from them. He's straight up saying that. And I think that it's because when you are that raw generational talent a lot of it does come naturally to you and when something unnatural is being asked of you whether it's less playing time whether it's you know more blocking and less of of the touchdown running you know it's not it's not their nature and I don't fault them for it because it's what their talent has afforded them but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be some some growth that needs to happen and it's great to hear from coach Harson and from Tank himself that they have honed in on that and they're seeing him grow in that way yeah for Tank like you said coming out of high school you know he's a highly touted five-star and you know everyone's telling him how great he is and yeah. you know sometimes as a young kid you can kind of you know get used to hearing that to the point that you may feel like you don't have to work as hard exactly exactly you know first two years he you know like yes he's been our starting running back but there have been some things that he needed to work on and know a lot of it is just it's a part of growing up people forget you know he still was a 17 year old kid when he came in so you know you're still growing at this point I think now hearing coach Harson say you know he's taking that step and I think what he's talking about there is this it's in the leadership like Mm -hmm. your best player in order for your team to really go, your best player has to be one of your hardest working players. And he has to be coachable. And I think that's the other aspect of it is he's now allowing Cadillac to to coach him up on yes. a lot of different things and not feeling like I know everything because everyone been telling me how great I am. But now I'm learning to be coachable. I'm learning to take that leadership. I'm learning to be the hardest working player on the team. 
um, and those type of things because people are looking up to him on that team. If you want to be considered the best player on the team, you have to be the best of all those other things. Like you can't just be, you know, what I do on the field. So, you know, he's the type of guy that he has to have a big season this year in order for Auburn to, to go where they want to go. And I think that uh, him getting a couple of the guys back in front of the offensive line that was there a year ago, uh, because we didn't get a big recruiting class in offensive alignment. So mm-hmm. our biggest recruiting class were the guys that were returning. So these guys are basically going into a sixth season. So hopefully, you know, that works out to our advantage and they have chemistry now because they've now played together with him as their running back three times for the last three years. So, you know, we should see a better, a better run game this year and, uh, and everything. And I think for Tank evolving as well is in the passing game. Mm-hmm. You know, catching a ball out of the backfield and be able to take a five-yard catch and go 15, 20 yards. Those are the type of things that he's he's taken to the next level that will participate him when the draft time comes, that will elevate him to being a, a you know a pretty good draft pick. So right. I just say th- this to say that is best players need to be your hardest working guys. Yes, agreed. And and I think that that's very encouraging to hear. Um, another quote that I thought was interesting was John Samuel Schenker, who also just got married. So congratulations to him wow. as if he wasn't probably already getting, <laughs> you know, hated on for being one of the old guys on the team sticking around for his, what is it? Seventh year. And now he's yeah. married, just adding to the narrative. Hilarious, but congratulations to him. That's awesome. Um, but he was of course asked about, a lot of the turnover because, you know, it, what is fact is that is it 20, 21 guys entered the transfer portal from Auburn. It was either 20 or 21. And that's certainly a big number. It's not the biggest. And coach Harson pointed that out too, but given what the off season turmoil looked like, that fits into that narrative very easily. Well, John Samuel Shanker said, We had guys that were very singular, individual, and those guys are gone now. And now we have a lot of guys that are bought into what we're doing and what Coach Harson wants us to do. And I think that's all that matters. And I just was, I thought that was the perfect way to put it, albeit a little shade, but nonetheless, there was a lot of shade coming from the guys that left. I mean, a lot of them, you know, were were talking about Coach Harson and how he treated people and saying very defamatory things. And so, these current players, you know, sticking up for this program, it's required, right? I mean, I think that for them to say that there was a lot of individual focused players last year, I don't, that have now departed. I don't think that's necessarily a surprise when you think back to how their departure happened. If we're entering the transfer portal because of, you know, a true feeling of conviction that you are not in the right place or like Demetrius Davis, uh, you know, definitely a talented quarterback. He now went from third to fifth very quickly, if not sixth. I mean, like I lost count and time's a ticking for him. I, I And those coaches could have been very transparent with him and told him, look, th- you're not going to be the guy for our system. Like it, in those situations, the transfer portal, you do your thing. But for these guys, and I'm not going to say names, but you can look it up if you're curious. These guys that departed with their middle fingers in the air and went to every media outlet that would talk to them to get their five minutes of fame, just to bash everything again, what, what good does that do? What, what 
does that benefit? If you want, if you feel there's something negative happening at Auburn, there are ways that you can affect change and you can help situations that aren't tarnishing the name of the university. Because if you're insulting Coach Harson, at that time you were insulting Alan Green, who made the hire. You're insulting the university who underwent an investigation and says they found nothing. And you're you're also insulting your teammates who at one point you were supposedly brothers with. So it, none of it helped anything and it didn't paint them in a good light to say some of the things they did, whether they feel justified or not. It wasn't, I believe the best way to go about doing things. And so for him to say, there were a lot of individual focused guys, I don't think is a surprise. And the guys that chose to chose to stay are bought in. And that's what matters. Now, again, you don't continue to look backwards, you will stall yourself from moving forward. And I think coming from a veteran leader like him, a statement like that echoes. Yeah, it's on my, it definitely echoes. Uh, for the most part, like, a lot of people always say, look at yourself in a mirror before you start looking everywhere else. Right. And a lot of people always, when they leave a situation, you're not making it better for yourself when you go into another situation if you're always blaming everybody else mm-hmm. or you're always pointing the finger at other people. Sometimes if you want to grow, really, just look at yourself and point the finger at yourself sometimes and stop mm-hmm. blaming others for your downfalls. And that's the society sometimes that we live in. And if I'm a coach and a kid comes to me, bashing another coach or bashing another university when he's coming to my program i'm gonna say to myself i already got an alert up against you mm-hmm. because now you're sending ways where you just leave stuff with respect and you'll get respect exactly and so things like that is just it's just unheard of like I say guys that stick through programs it typically works out better for them um mm-hmm. uh, like i said unless you're just in a situation where you have to move and you have to go back closer to home or, you know, you just realize like, okay, it's just not happening for me. Mm-hmm. And I just need a reset. Okay. I get it. But for guys that feel like I want to run from tough work, I want to run from hard work or I want to run from, you know, situations or things that I've created or problems or whatever, like it's only going to follow you to the next place until you face it. So like Tank was saying, there's no running from your situation. There's no running from your problems. Like you need to face it full right. on. And that's the, and that's how you grow. That's how you become better. So in order for this football team to really grow this year, I think you can't ask for a better schedule first five games at home. And like I said, there are certain guys, you don't worry about the guys that left your program. Worry mm-hmm. about the guys that are there. Mm-hmm. And and you worry about the guys that's going to lace it up with you come the first game on September the 3rd. And you go out there with your and you ready to play ball and you let your play and do your talking. A lot of guys say stuff and a lot of guys put things on social media and everything. You don't win any football games on social media. Mm-hmm. And so to me, worry about and everyone don't have to see your work all the time. You know, like I understand guys want to post things sometimes about their work ethic and what they're doing. And sometimes as fans, you can be like, oh, man, that kid's busting his tail. But what the other one's doing, the other ones are working, too. Just because they're not posting it on social media doesn't mean they're not working. You know, some guys are just social media driven and they need that attention in order to, for, to just kind of make them feel good about themselves. Other guys don't need it. And I respect that. Some guys can go work out and do things and be hard and and, and the grind. And like they always say, the character of a person is shown when no one can see what you're doing. That's integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree. So that's the thing that we're dealing with. Like I always tell guys, 
I like the aspect of seeing guys working and doing things. Sure. But your work is going to show up when the season starts. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. when we'll see, have you really been working or were you just doing things for some attention? Right, right. Conduct yourself in a way that, uh, you know, really shows your drive in the decision to begin with and, and composure because you're going to need that at your next landing place anyway. But nonetheless, uh, where SEC Media Days ends means fall camp is quick to begin and then season, y'all. I mean, I, I've been getting a lot of emails about football season. We've got our college football seminar happening in a couple weeks. So it is among us. It'll be here before we know it. So definitely a lot to look forward to as Auburn heads in to the last couple weeks of summer and then fall camp begins. And I'm sure we'll, we'll know a lot more by then. Real quickly, though, just want to give a shout out to some baseball players before we close this episode out. Eight players from this year's team were selected in the MLB draft. A program record four went in the first round. Incredibly proud of them. And honestly, not a surprise coming off a season with the success that we found, obviously culminating in Omaha. But pitcher Blake Burkhalter, round two, pick 76 to the Atlanta Braves. Hopefully he ends up in the bigs in Atlanta and won't be too far from home to go see him play. Pitcher Mason Barnett, round three, pick 87 to the Kansas City Royals. Pitcher Trace Bright, round five, pick 137 to the Orioles. Three pitchers off the board first. Sonny D coming in, our fourth pick, round five, pick 148 to the Angels. Carson Skipper, round 11, pick 326 to the Rockies. Hayden Mullins, round 12, pick 369 to the Red Sox. Blake Rambush, round 15, pick 456 to the Mariners. And finally, Brody Moore, round 17, pick 517 to the Cardinals. In seven years under Butch Thompson, Auburn has had 36 players drafted with 16 taken in the top 10 rounds incredibly proud of those guys but again not a surprise when you look it's just like what Bruce Pearl just experienced in the NBA draft with an incredible season comes a record draft and it is just a further testament of the program that is being developed here the players that are being developed here you see the success on the field you'll see their continued success at the next level. And we get to do that with eight of our guys from this past year. Congratulations to all of them. Looking forward to seeing you in the next level. But uh, Jason, what sticks out to me is once again, I, I mean, for Bruce and Butch, something they have in common is what feels like yearly reload. I mean, you lose so many when you have that's kind of the caveat of having, you know, a really successful program in both of those sports because they can move on pretty early and, and pretty young. And so the face of your team looks a lot different year to year. It's it's kind of the flip side of that success coin. Well, that's part of recruiting as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, going out, getting solid players and players that they develop, you know, a lot of these guys, they really develop into really good players. And the other aspect of it is anytime you start putting guys to the next level, other other kids watch that and they want to come be a part of your program. So I think the baseball program right now is at a really, really good spot. I believe basketball is in a really, really good spot. I believe football can turn it around. Uh, everyone got to buy in, including coaches and all. Everyone has to buy in. And I think they can turn it around as well. So, you know, Auburn is a great, great university. And 
We're also a great sports university. Like it's great entertainment. The town is not too big. You can enjoy mm-hmm. yourself a night out on town. Is is and they're steady building. I don't know when the last time you've been down there, but they putting a target on College Street. They're putting Publix oh right in town. They're putting the hotels with rooftops and yep. pools on rooftops, like overlooking the campus. So they're doing a lot of really, a lot of really good things there. And uh, and like I said, I just think Bush, he just gets it. You know, he, he's he's head, he's after recruiting hard. You know, he's right in the middle of it. And uh, that's what you have to do. You have to be great recruiters as mm-hmm. well uh, when you're in that position. And uh, I just feel like right now, for baseball, I didn't know that many guys can get drafted in baseball. Jesus, mm-hmm. a lot of guys. I just saw that. It's major a lot league. of rounds. Right. I just saw that major league just launched something that uh, that the minor league is going to get more money than they used to. So good. that's good because it takes yeah. years for some of those guys to make it up to the big leagues. Ooh, so, yeah. You know. So congrats to Auburn. Uh, that's just a, a bow tie on a great season. And mm-hmm. uh, and um, and more motivation for guys is coming back and the new class is coming in. So true. It, it only benefits recruiting to see that many guys making it to the next level, to see the experience that this team got to have this past year. Same thing goes for basketball and hopefully football will follow uh, pretty imminently. Well, that is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thanks for listening and following along, everybody. Like I say every week, a really important piece of information for you to have is that if you subscribe to our podcast, which you can do in the Apple Podcast app, you will get a notification every time we release an episode. So when our schedules are fairly inconsistent, you don't have to worry that you've missed an episode because you'll get notified when it's published. So go ahead and do that. You can leave a review, leave us some stars, whatever you feel. Make sure you hit us on social media if you have any requests for our podcasts. Obviously, as we get closer to season, uh, we'll have plenty to break down about the team, the schedule, the players, et cetera. We'll make sure to have you covered from all angles. So keep it locked here. Make sure to tell your friends and share our episodes if you feel so inclined. And come on back next week for another episode talking all things Auburn athletics. Thanks for listening, everybody. War Eagle. How are you, everybody? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.